0: You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Apple Insider Podcast. We're recording on today, Tuesday, May 10th, which is a little unusual for us but here at the apple insider podcast we cover all things about apple ios ipad iphone apple tv more and today we're talking about home automation and smart homes with carly noblock hi carly can you tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself
2: Yeah. So hi, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's so fun. Um, I am Carly. I'm the uh, technical consultant for the HGTV Smart Home 2016, which I'm excited that we're going to be talking about. Um, I also have a blog called Carly K, where I really help people sort of try to make sense of the ever-evolving world of technology. Um, I have two kids, and I run a business, and I'm traveling a lot, so I'm I'm always looking for and then sharing with my audience sort of the very best of technology um, that kind of makes life a little bit less crazy and uh, a diehard lover of all things Apple.
1: Fantastic! So the the smart home is in Raleigh, North Carolina this year. Is that right? Yes. Okay. I uh, I'm, I'm a fan of that just because I'm from Raleigh, so this is. Excellent. I hope I hope that there's a chance for me to get to see it. I know that the media ho- open house day already happened, but uh,
2: well, we'll make sure you're on the list for next year, and uh, and and maybe there will be a chance for you to go in and see it. But it's it's fabulous, and Raleigh's great. So um, it was a pleasure to be there this year and working on it.
1: Now, let me ask first of all what what kinds of things went into the smart home this year?
2: Um, well. Um, you know, we're always building a house with the winner in mind. So um, the house will be uh, right. Is currently um, the the sweepstakes has begun. So you can enter daily for a chance to win the house. Um, but eventually, somebody will win the house. And so we're looking to build these houses. They all have a slightly different take, but this one definitely has, um, you know, a small family kind of feel to it. Um, it's got great, wide open living spaces. Um, but there's, there's a baby's room. There's, you know, another great room that could be easily for a guest room or a room for a teenager. Um, there's lots of space to sort of spread out and grow. So we're thinking about the family that will ultimately live there. And we're sort of trying to, um, build in not just the design and the architecture, but into the technology, things that will make them feel more secure um, more, uh, you know, have more fun um, and and sort of generally have more conveniences.
1: Okay, so you, you mentioned security. So, what kind of things do you do you address with security?
2: So, okay, so a number of things. So, the house has um, wiring for an exterior camera system, so that you can have cameras all around the exterior of the house. Um, mm-hmm. The house, the front door of the house, has a smart lock on it. Um, and I believe that is a Schlage lock, um, which is tied into the central home integration system so that you can, uh, see the status of the lock and lock and unlock that from anywhere that you are, both with the iPads in the house and, and any other, um, uh, uh, iPhones or any other devices that you have attached to that system. Um, and we have a garage door opener that's also smart, um, from uh, LiftMaster. So that garage door, again, you can see the status of it from wherever you are. You can uh, open or shut the garage door from wherever you are. And I think all of those things in combination really make... Oh, and then I forgot uh, one of the most important things. We have a great alarm system from Simply Safe, which is completely wireless. Um, so it's a great uh it works perfectly well in this multi-level family home but also could be great for someone who maybe doesn't own their home or can't afford to put in a wired alarm system um so uh simply safe is great it's sort of like a peel and stick system all the sensors you can install in seconds and uh it, they all talk to a wireless um bridge in the house which then talks to your phone so i think all of those things together Work in concert to kind of create you know a lot of security and peace of mind and a lot of the ability to sort of monitor things when you're not home.
1: Now you mentioned that they tie into a central system. Can you tell me a little about some of the benefits of connecting with a, an integration system like Claire and what makes Claire the choice?
2: yeah, so um a number of things go into uh, choosing the smart home system for the house. Um, a lot of the decisions are made by the ad sales team actually um, but this one was one that we were interested in experimenting with um, in the absence of a home integration sponsor for the house. Um, we can kind of have our pick and we chose Claire because. It's very DIY. Um, I I was looking at a lot of products this year that aren't necessarily for people who have a ton of money to spend, the super high-end home integration systems. And I was really curious um, about products like Simply Safe that are easy for people to install, that don't require a lot of initial investment, um, and that still can do a lot of what some of the higher-end systems can do. So Claire, for example, is kind of like a a, a, a DIY, a little bit easier to program system um, that uh, can allow you to do things like add your Schlage lock, add your Nest thermostats, add your whole home audio system, um, and you know a number of things um, to the system so that you can control all of them from one place. And now, you know, I'll, and then I'll I'll make an aside by saying not every piece of smart home technology can load onto the system. Um, you know, the, the marketplace is such that, you know, certain things are compatible, certain things aren't. And so not everything's on there, but a good number of things are on there, which I think just makes it more convenient for the homeowner to just be able to go into one place and affect a number of things.
1: And, and one of the things you're having to take into account is what's going to be compatible with the widest range of phones because you don't know what the, the future homeowner is going to bring in, right? You know, they they could be an Android family. They could be an iPhone family. And so Claire is going to be compatible with both of those things. Schlage is going to be compatible with both of those things um, as as opposed to picking something like works with Nest, which is compatible with both with some exceptions or HomeKit, which is iOS only.
2: Exactly. And you know that's a it's a little bit less of a concern, I think, because we're really providing the winner with uh, an intact prize. So it's like this is this is what we're this is what you get. Um, but of course, it's always in the back of my mind making sure that um if it is indeed an Android user, that there won't, you know be a lot of stuff that isn't usable. But again, on the other hand, they are getting a home with an iPad, everything's installed on there. And if you're inside the home using that iPad, you have, uh, you know, everything kind of ready to go, but, but yeah, it is, it's, you know, this is a tough time I think in, in smart home land, um, where, you know, I read an article recently that said that, that smart home technology is kind of in the awkward teenage years. And I feel like it's, it's kind of true. Everything's just Trying to sort of establish itself in the marketplace, and um, people you know or companies are sort of furiously adding compatibilities and integrations, and everyone's just sort of waiting to see how things shake out and who the market leaders are going to be um, and so it is sort of hard to predict where things are going to be in the next few years
1: so we talked a little bit about security and we little talked a little bit about the the central system that controls everything so one one of the things that I've struggled with a little bit is thinking about appropriate devices for the kitchen because, you know, safety and security is is fairly easy. We know that door locks and garage doors make a lot of sense and cameras make a lot of sense, but in the kitchen, what, what really seems useful or essential there?
2: This is a great question and I struggle with it a lot because I'm someone who's so enthusiastic and optimistic about the future of smart home. And I'm always looking for those killer apps in every room of the house that really make life easier you know and so when i'm at CES and i'm wandering around and i'm looking at you know the cool new things that are happening in the world of smart ovens and smart refrigerators um i can't help but be a little concerned about you know these are investment pieces that people make and they don't replace every few years and so if i'm looking at let's say a Samsung refrigerator that has A screen on it, you know, a tablet on it, if you will, or, you know, sort of like a family hub, I think they're calling it. It's so exciting. And it's very cool. And, uh, you know, I often sort of fantasize about having a digital bulletin board in my kitchen that everyone can sort of leave notes on and and get information from. But having it built into my refrigerator that I'm not going to plan on replacing (laughs) anytime soon, you know, maybe for decades. Feels a little bit risky. And, you know, it would have to be an incredibly valuable sort of life changing piece of technology for me to want to invest in 2016, you know, in something that I'm going to, you know, in theory have for the next, you know, 20 years. So um, that's hard. You know, on the flip side, I think some of the things that are happening in induction cooking are really exciting. Um, I love the idea that an induction oven uh, or sort of, a, sorry, an induction cooktop is safe to put your hand on, um, but is, you know, is, is still cooking what's in the pot. Um, there's so many really interesting things going on with cooking. There's a lot of um, smart pans that are coming out now where um, the pan is going to help you cook things to the right temperature and it's going to set itself to the proper temperature so that you don't under or overcook the items that are in the pan. Um again a lot of this stuff is kind of in its infancy infancy stage but um I do like the idea of sort of being able to check on the dishwasher see when the cycle's going to be done um preheat the oven so that it's hot when I get home I can't tell you how often I call my house and speak to the kids and say like turn the oven on I'm on my way home from the grocery store and I want to like throw something in as soon as I get there um so to be able to do something like that I think it's just kind of finding those things that really make a huge difference in your life, um, and, and those are likely the things that are worth investing in.
1: You know, I have the Anova culinary sous vide, and I'm thinking about getting the Nomiku, and, uh, and I have the instant pot, you know, the, uh, the slow cooker kind of thing. And these, these, these are making steps towards that kind of setting things and having them understand what the recipe is and having them help me cook kind of thing, and they don't feel like they're as, as investment a piece as the actual huge oven appliance. Uh, you know, I was looking at the same fridge that you were looking at at CES, and, and one of the things that I thought was the really valuable idea was just ending the window shopping where my kids come up and, and look open the doors and leave the doors open while they gaze at what's inside. You know, it, it doesn't have to be a tablet built into the thing that we can leave notes on and will be obsolete in a year, but if it's simply a window into what's inside the fridge with the doors still closed. That's sometimes enough.
2: Yeah, I completely agree, and I and I love what Anova is doing. Although that's a very particular way to cook that not everybody is hip to. True. Um. And but but I you know I I love it, and I like you said, sort of like steps in the right direction, steps in that direction to really feel more empowered and confident in the kitchen. And like you said, you know, if you, if you have kids that are sort of hanging in the fridge trying to figure out what to eat and you're worried about energy efficiency, you know, those are the kinds of innovations that you're going to leap to when they arrive. Um, and I think that's, you know, in some ways why the nest has been so popular. It was just such a, Um, You know, who doesn't want to save money on their energy bill and to have a thermostat that can help you. And of course, they're not the only, you know, connected thermostat now on the market, but it was such an easy sell to almost anyone to just say, this is a thermostat that can learn your behaviors and help you save energy, um, you know, without you having to do anything. And then if you do want to be an active participant in that, um, you can be checking, Uh, and controlling your thermostat from wherever you are. I mean, it's just, you know, kind of like a no-brainer.
1: That's totally not why I bought the Nest.
2: (laughs) Why did you buy the Nest? Because it's cool?
1: I I bought the Nest because I could remote control it without having to go downstairs and adjust the thermostat.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely a killer app, for sure. And I I think that that is how I use my Nest all the time. Um, But what you don't, you know, what... There's there's as much to, to benefit by what I'm not having to do with my thermostat as there is with what I'm having to do by my oh, thermostat. Totally. It's, so. it,
1: yes, it saved me money, but but that was something that was kind of a, if it actually does that, fantastic. The primary right. consideration for me was what can I do to not get kicked in the middle of the night saying I'm too hot or I'm too cold and I can adjust it and be done with it.
2: Yeah. Agreed. Um, Agreed. And then, you know, if, if they're, if they're doing, if it's doing its job right, it's actually learning what your habits are night after night. And then it's doing a lot of the thinking for you. And I guess that's the thing. Totally. You know, just as interesting to me. Well, and then I
1: got one of the ceiling fans that works in conjunction with it. And so you can, you can have them bolting, understanding what the correct habit is and let the ceiling fan run more than the air conditioning, let them negotiate that between themselves. And I don't even have to mess
2: with it. Right. And is that the Haiku fan that you got? It is. That's great. Yeah, they're, they're, we have a couple of Haiku fans in the smart home. And um, they are. A, it's a fabulous product um, that I love. And uh, it, it does such a good job. And it is. It's, it's negotiating with the Nest at all times and trying to figure out, you know, who should run so that the most efficient combination is being used at all times. It's great.
1: Have you tried the uh, the Hunter ceiling fans that work with HomeKit?
2: No, I have not yet. But, um, you know, as HomeKit is really kind of like coming into its own um, and establishing itself, I'm, I'm starting to test more of its products. And um, But I haven't gotten to the Hunter yet.
1: Cool. Yeah, I have yet to, but I want to. It's one of those things that I think really makes a big difference.
2: Well,
1: what, what do you think about motorized blinds? I love them. Do you have some?
2: I do. <laughs> I mean,
1: Talk honestly. Talk me about your blinds. <laughs>
2: Let's talk about my blinds. You know, it is the weirdest thing when people say to me, like, oh, you must have some six smart home, you know, system. And I go, Yeah, I do. I do kind of have a six smart home system. And they were like, What, well, you know, what's your favorite feature? It's the lights and the blinds. It's not the home theater. It's not any of that kind of stuff. It's the idea that um in my kitchen where I have this huge picture window. And at two o'clock or two thirty, it becomes absolutely impossible to sit at my kitchen table. So I have this shade, which I installed after we moved in. It's I don't have a, a house that was wired for shades. Um, so it's a it's a battery operated Lutron shade. And um at 230, it comes down. And whether anyone's in the house or not. So at the very least, it's saving me money or at the most, I guess it's saving me money and, and energy, but at the least it's just a a nice convenience for somebody who happens to be sitting at the table. And I often work at my kitchen table, um, who doesn't have to get up and go adjust the blinds or just simply depart from the table, which is what I used to have to do before we got this blind. So it's, it's just the little things that really are quite impactful, Um, and I love it so much that we installed two more. Um, we have one side of our house, which is, um, which, you know, if you were to walk the perimeter of my house, um, we have sort of window, more, more windows that are more at eye level with someone who could be walking in my yard than on the other side. And so there's two windows on that side. Um, they both look into rooms that we want to have some privacy with, like just rooms that have, you know, office equipment and Um, things I don't necessarily want people to see if they happen to be in my yard. And so every night at sunset, when the house orients itself for nighttime, um, the lights change and other things happen, those shades lower. And so if the kids are in that room and they're, you know, playing on the computer and stuff like that, they don't have to remember to lower the shade every night, the shade lowers. And so I have privacy around the perimeter of my house, um, every night without having to think about it. There's just, again, those little things that just make such a huge difference. Um, and I just love my shades.
1: Now, are those a part of the Caseta wireless system that Lutron sells?
2: I believe that they are. They are called Savoya, and I believe that it's part of Caseta, but I'm not 100% sure.
1: You know, the Lutron is interesting. Lutron's HomeKit setup is is really quite good. I've, I've got the Caseta wireless lighting setup with HomeKit. And I like it a lot. Their app is not an aggregator app, so it only controls Lutron products. But the beautiful thing is that there are other apps that are aggregator apps, and I can control the Lutron stuff from within these other apps.
2: Right, right. And that's the really interesting thing that's kind of complicated. I just wrote an article um, that will be published, I think, in the coming weeks for Apartment Therapy that basically helps people try to figure out what what lane they're going to go into, you know, are they going to start with an Apple home kit? Are they going to start with works with nest? Are they going to start with, um, you know, like there's, there's so many different ways to go. And all of these companies are kind of vying for you to start with their one thing and then, you know, add things on top of that or, or connect things to that. So, you know, it's confusing for people. It, it is.
1: I, I'm glad that I went and looked this up. The Serena remote controlled shades are the ones that work with Cassetta.
2: That's right. Yes. And these are called, the ones that I have are called Savoia QS. Um, yeah.
1: So it's, you, you have to really know which model you're getting to know that it's yeah. going to be compatible has, with the system.
2: Exactly. And Lutron, I got to say, is really, it's, it's Byzantine. I mean, it's very difficult to understand their product lines. They should probably simplify at some point. Um, because it is, it's hard to navigate their product lines, but they make great products and the, and the shades and the lights working together again, you know, if you, if you have that, uh, third floor, you know, attic that just the sun beats down on, or if you've got that, you know, kitchen window just to have all of that kind of work in concert and to know, you know, when the sun sets so that the lights can come on, but they don't come on full, they come on at 30% and they give you the ambient glow and enough light to see vibe and it just, you start to have really, um, uh, very particular levels of control over the ambiance in your house. And, and, and it's one of those things that you don't know how you lived without once you have it.
1: So it sounds like you have a pretty elaborate lighting system. If you're doing these, these comes on at sunset and glow for 30% and well, what are you using to do that?
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm essentially using, um, Lutron and using control Four. But Lutron lights, um, you know, once they're installed, it's really the sky's the limit with how you program them. So it sounds elaborate, but it really just takes a little bit of vision on the outset. And anyone who's helping you install a smart home system, um, can, can help you kind of have that vision and figure out what the different scenes of your life are. Um, for example, I have a button at the top of my stairs that says, good morning, And when I press that button and then start heading down the stairs, you know, a pathway lights and the kitchen lights up and it's the, it's the button that I push when it's the morning and I'm going downstairs to start making breakfast for the kids. So it's, it sounds elaborate, but it really is just about kind of like thinking thoughtfully about what you do and when you do it and then having your house kind of support you in doing that. And that, that's, it's pretty much that simple.
1: so you have an actual button that's labeled good morning i do where where did that come from
2: um I think you know it was a conversation with um the my uh control four guys that came over to the house um and it was just about you know again like what are the different environments What are the different, I mean, and, and this is, you know, this is baby stuff compared to some of the stuff that they do. I mean, you can have a party mode where the lights dim and the music comes on and the, you know, shades lower, but only to halfway, or, you know, the shades lower, but not the shears lower, but not the blackout drapes. I mean, now we're talking about really sort of like high end systems with lots of options, but I think it, again, just boils down to like, what would make life convenient, um, you know another another example that i think i've seen you know that i've seen in a lot of smart homes is is the all off button so every smart light in my house can turn off with one button so we have that button by the front door and as you leave you can press all off um and then you know when we were discussing this scene um i talked to my smart home guy about the fact that we have a dog and I didn't want to have a button that would turn off the lights at three o'clock, but then if we didn't come home till eight or nine o'clock, the dog would be sitting in the dark. And so we also have a minimal amount of lights that come on at nautical sunset so that even if we've turned all the lights off during the day, a little bit of light comes on for the doggy if she's by herself in the evening. So Again, they're just things and it's sort of like what they say when you move into a new house, like don't try to furnish it all right away, you know, just kind of live in it and understand what life is like in that house and then go ahead and start, you know, you'll know better what your needs are. I think so, too, with a smart home. And I think, you know, we had sort of round one of the concept of lighting you know how the lighting system would work and the shades would work and then i went back and revisited it after i lived with it for a while and we did some other stuff so it's it's that kind of iterative thing but of course eventually you don't want to be iterating you just want it to work and be great and and that's kind of where i am now and it it works and it's great
1: i was i was going to ask how often you change things out in your house but it sounds like you've kind of reached a happy medium
2: It's a little bit of both. Of course, I'm always testing things and I'm always pulling stuff out and testing a new modem or testing, you know, a new thermostat or, or whatever. But, um, you know, my family lives here and I have to not be, I, you know, if I, if I lived by myself, of course I could be constantly changing things up, but, um, the house has to function like a family home and it has to be comfortable for the people in it. And I think, constantly pulling things out is a little disruptive to everybody's equilibrium. So, so yeah, eventually, I mean, you know, people ask me all the time, like you feature so many things on your site, you know, what do you actually use? And of course I don't use every single thing that, uh, you know, that I feature on my site. I wouldn't recommend it if I didn't think it was a great choice, but you know, you have to pick some stuff at some point and just go with it. So, um, so, yeah, I definitely have my things that have stayed, and that's a testament to how valuable they've been to myself and my family and then things that have kind of faded because they weren't. Um, or we've just kind of moved on to the next cool thing. So it's always a balance, I think.
1: So, so you've got the, the shades. You've got Lutron lights. What else do you have in your home?
2: Um, let's see. I have some smart locks. Um, from QuickSet, um, I have the Kivo lock and I'm expecting the new Kivo lock soon, which I really, really like. Um, what else do we have here? We're very, very long time Sonos people. So we've had Sonos for almost as long as Sonos has been in existence and absolutely love Sonos. Yeah, I'm of course just drawing a blank on things, but uh, we we love our TiVo's, um, and we have the new TiVo Bolt, and uh, you know we we get a lot of we get a lot of crap for our TiVo's, but we've been diehard TiVo users since they happened, pretty much, and uh, um, there were some dark years in there, but I think they're I yeah. think they're really doing an incredible, you know, they're having an incredible comeback. And, um, so we have TiVos all through the house and, and TiVo minis that in, in the rooms that are less used. Um, and that I find that to be a great system. Um, right now I'm loving the Ray remote, which is a fantastic remote that kind of feels like a smartphone in your hand. Um, and it works really, really well. Um, and it also integrates with nest. And I, I just read about some other integrations that are coming out. So, um, that's cool, but I, I I really like it. I'm loving you know some of the things that Savant is doing. I don't yet have any of that in my home, but I think what they're doing is very cool, and they have some cool new like more consumer oriented products coming out. So there's always something new showing up here.
1: I have uh, the, the Schlage lock. I have the I have Echo be installed currently. Um, oh. I have the Hue lights, of course. I have the Haiku fan. I have some of the InSteon. Ceiling fan products set up on HomeKit. I have, uh, I don't have a MyQ garage set up right now, although I intend to. Um, I think the next thing I'm going to do is is change out the door lock another time.
2: Nice. I I mean I can't tell you that that's the other thing that people are like really that's your favorite part of the smart home system. But the garage, I mean, when we when I go out with the kids and I don't want to bring a key and we you know we're on bicycles and stuff just being able to open and close the garage with my absolutely, which I'm bringing with me anyway. Um, and, uh, getting an alert when the garage door has been accidentally left open by one of my lovely children. Um, you know, just again, like it's the little things that you just are like, how did I live without this? How did I live without being able to get myself into my garage with my smartphone? Um, it sounds kind of silly, until you really use it and then you really realize that you really use it.
1: Yeah. Well, and I feel the same way about the front door lock. You know, I have the, the, a lock with a keypad on it, can open and close with the phone, and it's set to auto lock. I, I know I don't need to take a key with me because it's going to lock itself and I can get in if my phone's dead. Yeah. Problem solved. Really yeah. works.
2: A lot of problems solved. And then that with the, you know, the keys that you can set up for people who are temporarily needing access to your house. Um, it really, it, it really is a lot of problems solved. Um, so it is, it's, it's kind of exciting.
1: What, what do you think about doorbell cameras?
2: Um, I really like them. I have a version of a doorbell camera. Um, I mean, uh, sorry, rather, let me back up. I have a camera as part of my exterior camera system that was on the house when we bought it shows the front door. So I don't yet have a doorbell camera, but I would like to put one in, even though it would be slightly redundant, because I like the idea of being able to talk to people that are at the door um, and say, hang on, or you no, know, thank you, or, or whatever.
1: I um, have this crazy vision in mind of being able to, to see what's happening with the doorbell camera remotely. And, you know, say it's the UPS guy, I can open the garage door, let him put the package in the garage door and then close it after him kind of thing.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it just really gives you, it's like, you know, having eyes in the back of your head, but it's, you have, you have hands, it's like your home, but you're not, I don't know which analogy makes more sense, but but yeah, it's, it's, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that is really exciting to me and it feels very pedestrian, but it's not, it's, um, it, it just allows you to do so much. I remember kind of when, when the personal technology revolution was happening And one of my least favorite phrases, you know, in my own life that personal technology solved for me, and I still hear people say it, and it still gets me, but, and it's such a little thing. But you know, when I hear people say like, Oh, um, I'll check on that when I get home or, Oh, I'll tell you that when I get home and I can look at my day planner or, Oh, I left that in my other purse and I'll have to call you later and tell you that information. And I just remember thinking like, I don't have to do that anymore. I have everything with me and I can look in a number of apps and a number of places for pretty much any information that anyone would need. Um, and my like, Oh, I can't tell you that now because I'm not home conversation, you know, pretty much ended. So to me that what you're talking about with letting the UPS guy into the garage and being able to talk to him from where you are That's like the next level, where your home is supporting you, and you physically can be doing things there, even though you're not there.
1: And I I totally understand the sentiment of the the reaction to "I'll do that when I'm home" kind of thing. It's it's always the same feeling I get when someone asks me to fax them something.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's true, but I think it's a way of life that people still don't really fully have a grasp on, and so it just seems normal to them. And and again, it's one of those things that like you can't remember how you ever lived without that functionality once you have it. Um, you know, I talk to my mom all the time and she's like, oh, I have that in my Philofax and I think I left that in, in the other you know, in, in my other apartment. I have to wait till I get back there. I mean it just it's it's kind of maddening, but it's also very much normal still for a lot of people.
1: So so what what do you think is the first thing someone ought to buy if they're considering moving into sort of DOI smart home?
2: Such a good question
1: your mom she has the philofax she has the That's two apartments exactly. what's what's the first thing that you should say someone should consider
2: well i think i think i mean i'm not going to cop out it kind of depends i and again it it's something that i really believe in i think that people only get frustrated if they've bought something that doesn't truly solve a problem for them and the pain point has to be pretty high for most people not necessarily early adopters like you, but for most people to really make not just the money investment, because it's easy to go to the store and buy something, but in order to really make the time investment to learn it and to integrate it into their life, to think of it when they're doing a thing and not sort of forget that they have it and never use it, um, it has to solve a pretty significant problem for them. I've just found over the years that that's when People really get excited and and magic starts happening with learning and adoption. So all of that to say, I, I won't cop out, I will give you some ideas, but it it depends on the problem. So meaning if that, if that, you know, if you're if your wife kicking you to go change the thermostat, if that's just if that's a big problem for you, then starting with the nest or any echo B or any kind of learning thermostat makes a lot of sense. Um, and that's where you're going to get the most delight from the, from the product, um, where you're going to have the most enthusiasm about learning it and continuing to understand it and continuing to know how to use it better. Um, and you're going to want to build from there as opposed to shy away from there. So, uh, you know, there are some sort of, you know, so so starting with a thermostat in that case would be a great place to start. And then you've got so many things that are compatible with that system that it just would be fun after that to start adding things. So if you, you know, if you are starting with a Nest thermostat, you could go to the Simply Safe alarm system um which will go, you know, which will cue Nest to go into away mode when you set the alarm. You can add the SkyBell doorbell, which will start recording on your Nest Cam if it detects motion around your house, um, including when somebody approaches the door. So there's just like, or you you know, you can add um, the Lifx bulbs, which will lower your lights when you're away. And again, that would know that because of your thermostat, and the thermostat would go into away mode, and then all these other things would happen. So. It just, you know, it kind of snowballs. Um, So I think a thermostat's a great place to start. I think a lock is a great place to start. I think one of these doorbells is a great place to start um, because they all really solve a lot of problems. I'll tell you what, before there were smart locks, there were just, you know, the keypad locks, right? They didn't connect to a system, Mm -hmm. but they-
1: I I had a keypad lock for years, yeah.
2: Sure. So um, a keypad lock saved my marriage. (laughs) Um, did not even exaggerating a little because I was <laughs> Love it. because I was so frustrated. My husband would come home, obviously sort of wrecked from a long day at work, distracted, you know, often still on the phone, and he would forget to lock our garage door. He'd come in through the garage, he'd shut the garage door, the large garage door, but he would forget to lock the you know the door that leads into our home. And this drove me absolutely crazy. I thought, how can you not be, you know, locking our home and the children and us and safety? And And we had so many fights over this. And then I finally got a keypad lock that auto-locked, just like you mentioned. And so he never had to lock it. He just shut it and it would lock itself. And it literally dramatically impacted our marriage. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> so, but again, these are things that, are kind of life changing. And if you have a specific problem, and you can get some counsel on what product would specifically, you know, fix that problem, that's where you should head first.
1: I want to thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us. I know we're running a little long here. Uh, This has been the Apple Insider podcast. Carly, where, where can people find out more information about smart homes from you?
2: Thanks. This has been such a fun conversation. Um I am at Carly K, C-A-R-L-E-Y-K. So that's where you can find me. And you can find me at Carly NoBlock, um, uh, which is spelled K-N-O-B-L-O-C-H. So Carly with an E and then all of that mess. Um, you can find me there on Twitter or Pinterest or Instagram. Um, and then, uh, the HGTV smart home, you can learn more about at hgtv.com smart, and you can enter once a day to win that beautiful house in Raleigh. Um, but I think you can enter twice a day, once at HGTV and once at DIY network. Um, but so definitely go check that out and enter for your chance to win the home. It's beautiful. Um, and yeah, just, um, reach out and say hi. On any social channel and I will respond.
1: Thank you so much. This has
2: been wonderful. Thanks for having me.
1: Welcome back to this episode of the Apple Insider Podcast. Joining me is the esteemed Mikey Campbell, editor of Apple Insider.
0: What's going on, Victor?
1: We got a number of iPhone 7 rumors and the first of which I want to talk about is, is some drawings of the thing suggesting that they're a dual camera and a smart connector will be exclusive to a 5.5-inch-plus model. Right. Yeah. What do you think of this thing?
0: Well, Ming-Chi Kuo, a couple months ago, said that he thought it would, uh, or what his uh, sources say within Apple's supply chain, that Apple was either going to launch um, a dual-camera-exclusive-plus model uh, either as a standalone or as a as a five point five inch replacement um, altogether, depending on supply so um, so this kind of lines up with what he was saying right uh, basically that um, well there's a report that came in today that basically said a uh, quote said that he was the five point five inch model was going to be uh, solely a dual camera setup, which means that if you want a dual camera. Or the, whatever, uh, features Apple builds into a dual camera model, you're going to have to stump for the more expensive and bigger screened iPhone this year. Um, no word yet on what's going to happen next year, but it seems that they're going to use that as a differentiator this year. Kind of like how they, uh, still only offer optical image stabilization on the 6S plus.
1: Versus now this 6X. this rumor also suggests that the smart connector will only appear on this larger model
0: yeah uh that's uh to me that doesn't really fit Apple's agenda or strategy Lotus
1: operandi
0: uh yeah it doesn't really fit in with their um, with their general scheme of uh, products. I, 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 might be able to swallow it if it was just a, you know, if it was like a standalone seven plus model, like uh, like a super top end one, then maybe, but I don't think that they would um, split their user base like that. I mean, it's basically, you know, a, people buy the 6S or the 6S plus. Um, it's, it's not, I feel like they don't really – the main feature or function that defines the two, obviously, is the display size, right? I don't think that Apple wants to create a larger rift between those two products, mm-hmm. kind of making it more of a difficult decision. Um, the only thing that I would say is that they might want to experiment with the uh, smart connector-only headphone uh, kind of, you know, to get rid of the, the headphone jack thing. Uh, but other than that, it would be probably a poor decision.
1: Yeah. And the other thing that's interesting about this is the dual camera bit, which we've talked about since last year, right? Uh-huh. We we suspect that this is the Lynx or L-I-N-X um, camera unit that was bought from, that Apple acquired from an Israeli based company.
0: Yeah. So Lynx is the, it's an Israeli is, firm. Is it
1: Lynx or Lynx? Do we know?
0: I think it's Lynx I think it's Lynx okay who knows they they haven't really mentioned it outside of press releases, so
1: right um,
0: but they, uh, they
1: specialized in multi-aperture imaging technology, which um, what 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 should that mean to the regular person?
0: uh basically well it, they, have, they have a couple um they have a few patents and and uh, uh, i p uh, bits of IP that would apply to a multi camera iPhone. So basically, um, their claim to fame is stitching together multiple, uh, multiple images from, you know, multiple cameras to create a higher resolution, uh, picture. So you'd have like two or maybe four cameras, um, Taking a picture of the same scene and you stitch those together to, you know, make a high resolution one or make a a better HDR image or um, various implementations
1: of right. that. You could also refocus the same way that Litro refocused.
0: Um, yeah, to a well, to a lesser extent, it's not a light. Uh, um, it's not a
1: um. It's not a light field the, camera the way yeah, it's not Pro a light field is, camera, but, but
0: you can mimic that kind of. Uh, function to a certain extent. But I think what Apple is, um what from what Ming Chi says, uh and he's been pretty uh pretty accurate in the past, that Apple's using Lynx's uh technology to make two distinct cameras. So like one would be a wide angle view, kinda of like the one that you have on the current iPhone, um and another one that either features a zoom lens or has some sort of telephoto uh, functionality to it. And um, so we'll see on that. His most recent note says that the algorithms are not uh, really up to snuff yet. Uh, They should be by the time the 7 comes out, but he's not sure that they're going to have it ready in time to implement um, all the features they wanted to, like, uh, like a really... High variation or variable mm. zoom lens mm. on there. Um, there's also, uh, interesting to note that you know, Sony is, uh, Apple sources their camera modules from Sony traditionally, but it looks like LG is also going to be participating this year. So Sony might take care of, uh, maybe like I'd say, like the, the main quote unquote, the main camera on the back so probably the one that people use most often and then maybe lg will supply modules for uh let like a telephoto version or something
1: intriguing now the current how how much ram is in the current iphone
0: uh ram is two right okay
1: so we we have another room here it says that in order to power this two camera unit we're going to get three gigabytes of ram
0: yeah yeah um that kind of makes sense, right? Uh, the, the Sony, I know the Sony, the, uh, the backlit modules on that. Um, I believe they come with their own, uh, allotment of Ram, but Apple, uh, you know, being Apple and marketing the quote, most popular phone in the world, which is the iPhone. I mean, a mo- most popular, uh, camera in the world most used which is the Mm -hmm. iphone uh they built in a lot of picture taking features directly into the a9 chip and have been doing so in the in the past for the various a-series silicon so um they did the same with the a9 this year and supposedly they're going to step it up to uh three gigabytes next year to handle the added stress of Slapping another, basically another camera,
1: onto. uh, So, so why not four?
0: Um, I don't know. Cost savings. They may not need four gigabytes of RAM. Uh, Three gigabytes of RAM is probably sufficient. Um, DSLRs and and those top end cameras have commensurate amounts of RAM, um, and they don't and they perform well
1: the The other thing, this, this is the, the the jackpot rumor, right? This is the one with all of the features that people are going to recognize, says yeah. that the 2017 iPhone will be a complete redesign, and so far that's not surprising because every couple of years we get a totally new case design, right? Well yeah, but what's surprising about that, and uh, what makes it kind of a mm, iffy,
0: iffy rumor, is that um, you know this year is supposed to be the the redesign year, right? So correct. Uh, From what – from the renderings that we see, it looks like it's going to be eh, – I don't know. It's, it's not going to be as vast a departure in design from, say, the iPhone 4 to the iPhone 5, right? It, it's not so, going to change so, from like a sandwich to a metal back design. It'll be more like a 5, Um, I guess, the, to a the 6. Differential I mean,
1: between, uh, the differential between a 6 and a 6s?
0: Well, I mean, there is no design differential, yeah, right?
1: Well, it is all internal for that one.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, no, I am talking about external design. So, I mean, the external design between the, you know, the three and the four, and then the four and the five. And that's what Apple designates that That's what they save their uh, numerical designations for is exterior design changes, right? So, they, every time they change design, they change the number and the uh, inter year or the uh, biannual um mm-hmm. uh, internal
2: buffs R- right. are
0: so uh so this year's supposed to be uh you know a a numerical change to seven which would suggest that they're also changing the exterior but from what i see it doesn't Look like Right. Doing so,
1: so the rumor is that like... this year's iPhone 7 will have a similar design and form factor to the current 6S, and the, yeah. the big rumors are going to happen in 2017. So for one thing, we're already changing away from the expected pattern. Yes. And that the, the radical redesign includes things like Touch ID, FaceTime camera, and speaker basically embedded in an edge-to-edge display that conceals the components and sensors underneath the screen. So currently, if you look at your phone, you've got a chin and a forehead, right? The chin contains the home button and the forehead contains the, uh, the, the speaker and the proximity sensor and the camera. Yep. And what we're talking about now, imagine if you will, is that you still get a home button and touch ID, but they're basically just that circle with icons on either side of them. And the same is true. You get a speaker opening up where the forehead is, but everything else is screen.
0: Right. So I mean, I don't know. These rumors
1: have these are although that seems awkward up- to me as as in practice, because if you're scrolling and there's screen on either side of the speaker and you scroll, you've now got a speaker in your scroll. It seems interesting, right?
0: Well, rumors like this come up every single year, and they've been around since I think the iPhone five they started edge edge display and then after touch id got implemented they um well actually the uh the virtual home button has that rumor has been around since the ipod touch came out so i mean these are kind of like pie in the sky ideas that i don't think apple necessarily um i don't think apple will necessarily implement those uh and especially not I, i find it even harder to believe that they're going to do it in a um, internal buff year, which would be an S series year, because uh, that 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 would be a major design shift in itself, and the retooling and all that kind of stuff that goes along with it. I don't, I don't know that they would do it, um, especially considering that these rumors are saying that uh, it's going to be just for one top tier model. I don't think they would. Uh, I don't think Apple would do that it's kind of like it's kind of like issuing a limited edition device just for you know it's a few people a few early adopters but apple's not about that they're about scale right they're about mass production and mass purchasing so um to me it doesn't really make sense that they would launch it in 2017 perhaps that they're experimenting with it right now and that's what where these rumors are coming from uh, of course you know that Does't necessarily mean that these things are gonna actually go into production for twenty seventeen It's also peculiar that uh there are rumors circulating about a twenty seventeen iPhone when Apple is known to be um known to experiment with many many designs and then only you know months prior to going with mass production deciding on one so uh kind of speculating on that is a fool's errand at this point, especially for 2017.
1: Right. And and one of the things that we have heard about so far for the 2017 phone is the idea of curved glass all at all the edges and the notion that it's going to be an AMOLED display instead of the traditional LCD display.
0: Right. So I, th- those things are uh, obviously uh, – mm, they're – they're sexy, right? I mean, I'd I'd like an OLED uh, curved OLED display. Um, and
1: do you worry about uh, pixel burn-in with an OLED display?
0: Well, pixel aging, you mean?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean Let's we we've uh,
0: pixel aging.
1: There's no burn-in on OLED. Come on, bro. When you can turn the screen off and see where the pixels have been lit most often, it's burn-in, isn't it? Uh,
0: no, it's technically well for oled it, it would be aging
1: uh-huh yeah it's it's aging because by being on all the time they they dim but right so one one they're you can, aging you can see where they've been rates. right when you turn the display off you can see where it's been on and it's it's not they're good. most ghost ghost
0: images i guess would be yeah. the uh, most pc term i don't know anyway yeah i know what you're talking about i'm just being an ass um yeah i i don't think uh i don't think that it would it would really um i don't i don't think i'd be really worried about that um uh, the only yeah i don't think so because the way I'm, I'm thinking about how i use my phone and it's not like i stay on a certain screen or there's a certain graphic that's you know popped up all the time for longer than you know a minute or so i'd say because i i go I don't it's not like I browse around on my home screen for five minutes trying to find an app that I want,
2: mm.
0: or just, you know, looking for apps that I want to look at. I, I go to my home screen and then I open an app and then fool around there. So I mean the screen is always refreshing itself. Yeah, so I don't really worry about that at all. Okay.
1: And well, there's ways to, you know, negate those effects. Sure. Software. And- through software, through keeping the screen turning off or dimming or things like that, and they they do a lot of those kinds of tricks already. Um, yeah. Even in I mean, we saw that a lot in the uh, iPad Pros, right, with the uh,
0: um, persistent uh, what do you what do you call it the, the display controller to save battery life. It doesn't it refreshes at different rate yeah. if the image is static. I forget what the they, they had a some sort of catchy term for it. I don't remember what it was. Don't they always? Yeah, they do. Yeah, but I mean, if they do release that phone in 2017, obviously I'll I'll buy it Uh, for for work, of course. Oh, it's my job. I have to. um, But I don't. I don't know how that would. It would wreak havoc on their already, uh, let's say, diverse iPhone lineup. It's, they're, they're becoming like the, the BMW of, of the one of
1: everything model now. Yeah. Let's just, you
0: know, have a, have a little bit of everything and, uh, not really, uh, be the master of, of anything as a Jack of all trades kind of approach to product design. And I don't, I don't think they should stray that far from their tried and true formula.
1: But, but Mikey, they've said no a thousand times Uh uh-huh i don't you just think they're saying yes too much yeah well let's go ahead and wrap this up here because i i appreciate your time and i know you're short on it but i wanted to make sure we got in some coverage about these rumors what's your parting thought on all of this stuff
0: um the design renders look legit uh from what uh from what we know um as far as the what phone or which model is going to get the dual camera. Uh, it seems to me that it would make sense that the larger one would get it. And it's not going to be just a, uh, they're, they're Apple's not going to launch like three phones, like a, like a seven, a seven plus and a seven plus plus special edition or something. It doesn't, if, if supply constraints are that low that they have to do something like that, I think they would probably just save it for the S model and maybe implemented on on both the 7s and 7s plus i don't think they would uh muddy their lineup that much by launching three phones in a cycle it, it seems um that two is more than enough especially you know i mean it, 6 the 6 was the first time they launched you know the the two different models and now they have the uh, se and i don't know it's just just becoming a little a bit too much so, if they can get the production up and running for the 7 plus to get dual cameras, and I think that's what they're going to do, um, kind of like a differentiator as the current optical image stabilization stabilization strategy, uh, some, something in that in the same vein. Um, and I think uh, it looks like they're going to be able to do it. So I would expect a dual camera version. Only on the 5.5 inch model, which is kind of disappointing because I don't like a really big screen, but I do like the idea of two cameras. So I don't know.
1: We'll see. All right. Well, this has been another fine amount of time wasted listening to the Apple Insider podcast. Joining me has been Mikey Campbell, editor at Apple Insider. Mikey, where can people find you on the Internet?
0: Uh, on Apple Insider, of course, and at Mikey
1: Campbell, 81, on
0: the Twitter machine.
1: Mikey, if they introduce a 4.7-inch dual camera phone, I expect you to eat your hat.
0: Indeed, I
1: will. I don't wear a hat, but I'll eat one. Fantastic.